Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. The future belongs to creators. Hello, I'm Barrett Brooks. This is Nathan Barry. You're welcome for that intro. And it is episode 55, Q&A Friday on June 19th, unless you're listening on audio, in which case it's later. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm really good. Weather's good. My team has been like, listening to me complain about the weather the whole time. And so, cause it's been pouring rain here in Boise. And so now it's beautiful. And so I feel like, you know, not that they're listening cause they have better things to do than listen to you and I podcast. But if they were listening, then at least they can know that I'm no longer complaining about the weather because it is now beautiful and sunny. Love it. How are you? Um, I am green today. We, today is Juneteenth. Today is the first time in ConvertKit's history that Juneteenth is recognized as a paid company holiday, and it will be forevermore from here on out. Much needed change. I know that that's been something that I've learned more about. I think we've learned more about together, and yep. um, that is a well, well-deserved celebration of an important milestone in our history as a country, although it's complicated as many things are. But personally, I'm good. The family's good. My hair is now going on, I think, 15 weeks of growth. <laughs> it's under the hat. I mean, it's just like- Oh yeah, no, it's going. It's doing its own thing. It's, it's going. I like it. Uh, I think I'm just, it's like, that's my, I don't know, penance for quarantine or something. It's just going to keep going and we'll see where we end up. Is it you that's suffering or is it everyone else that's suffering? Like your family, your wife. I'll leave that up to others to answer. What effect do you think this is having on your marriage? <laughs> you know, at first it was a little sketchy and now I think I have some support. <laughs> so yeah, it's a good day. We've got some good weather. We've had like three weeks of rain here that finally broke a couple of days ago. And I'm thinking we might finally head into Portland summer. So I'm excited about that. Nice. I want to highlight something about uh, Juneteenth real quick. For those of you listening who may not have heard of it before, Juneteenth is a holiday. It should be, and hopefully soon will be, a national holiday in the United States. It marks the date when the Union Army informed slaves in Texas that they were free. And that came over two years after the legal passing of the bill that freed slaves in America. So in some ways, that's horrible, obviously. People lived in slavery for two extra years. In a lot of other ways, it was still symbolic. I mean, a lot of the ways that Black people had to live, former slaves now had to live in the country, even after that, was still practically slavery. In some cases, maybe they got paid a little bit, and that was like the extent to which their lives changed. They continued working for the same people on the same plantations and farms where they had previously been working but it was a milestone. It was progress. And uh, we have not learned or taught enough about it here in the United States. And I think as a company, we want to do what we can to change that. And I think the country is awakening to it as well, how, how important of a day it is in our history as a country. So that's what we are uh, celebrating as a company today. I'm really excited and proud that we'll get the chance every year to revisit this as an important part of our history as we take the day off. So just a little bit more yeah. about that worth reading more about if you haven't heard of it before. It was something that I think I first learned about a year ago, right at this time. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. I'm like, wait, what is this? Juneteenth? 
you know, not having, not having heard about it. And then digging in more of realizing how it's interesting of, of the arc that it's taken of like becoming a holiday and then, or, you know, becoming widely celebrated and then kind of dying out over time and then having these resurgences. And, you know, it's interesting of how we get any of our holidays or like how we do things in society. It comes from like getting this attention and awareness. And so it's pretty cool to see that happening and uh, these changes nationwide. I mean, this is probably off topic, but even just seeing like Colorado just signed a bill into law ending qualified immunity, which is a huge step, right? Of just holding individuals accountable for their actions. And so, you know, you see that, you see, even if it feels completely symbolic, like Juneteenth being celebrated and you see all this and you're like, this is, this is actual real change. Like obviously we'll know for sure years from now, but it's pretty exciting. Yeah. It seems like, or what I'm hoping for is that we've reached a moment in time when uh, the trajectory of change will change, where we'll actually start to see an ongoing commitment from the entire country and really the entire world. So we will see from here, but we're going we're gonna to do everything we can and try and play our part, which first and foremost is to continue to learn and listen. Today is casual Q&A Friday. It's the return of the hat which you know means it's time to ask questions. We got one by Twitter, but- So we need some more. Here's what I know. The, our audience always asks questions live, and that is where we get some of the best ones that are most ripe for conversation. So if you have questions, drop them in the chat. You know that if you're here live, you get your question answered first. But until then, we are going to ask and answer a question we got from Ryan McRae, who's a longtime customer, craft and commerce attendee, great guy all around. Yeah. He has a question and then shares some more details. I might, might even share my screen with what he shared. He says, I have a newsletter and I'm trying to find more subscribers. What are some ways to get my landing page in front of more people? And then I'm going to go grab that landing page, but maybe why don't you start riffing on that? Yeah. And that's a great question, right? Because that's as creators as we face. It, it's basically, I made this thing. Now what? Now what? <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, we, we've talked about this a little bit in some past episodes. So maybe we can dig up some links to that. Um, but the first thing, and I, I think that Ryan is past this point, but the first thing that we do is direct outreach. You know, it's the way that I would start a company today. It's the way I would start a newsletter. All of that is thinking, okay, who do I know that, is interested in this topic, they would want this thing. And I would send out text messages and I would say, hey, if you're into this, I'd love it if you signed up and checked out this new thing. Or if you know someone who might be, would you do me a huge favor and pass it on? And you know, you could start with 10 or 20 of those. Then I would take it further. I've even heard of people going to like 200 direct outreach messages. And you know, that's how you're gonna get your first 50, first 100 people on the list. But you obviously have to take it beyond that point. I think Ryan's already past that point, right? He's he's probably gone to his friends and family network. And now it's like, okay, how do I take it further from there? Yeah, you want to talk through Ryan's page really quick since you just pulled it up? I'll just give kind of the quick overview. So Ryan's getting into kind of gaming. He's had a couple of different businesses over time, but now he's getting into gaming. This is a deep passion of his. And so you can see on his landing page here, which is using ConvertKit, he has a great, great, Headline that kind of catches you immediately if you're into this kind of thing, which is love role-playing and tabletop games. Great news. Sign up for my newsletter and I'll give you my 17-page treasure trove of D&D resources for free. And then he includes 
four or five little bullets of what you're going to get. You'll get the ultimate checklist to teach Dungeons and Dragons, 12 low-level magical items don't wreck the campaign, seven unique locations to add to your world, nine low-level adventure ideas, and 10 ways to improve your game night with minimal effort. So this is good. I love this. Here's what's interesting to me right off the bat. I think Ryan could get even more specific. I know that his audience is generally into tabletop games and role-playing games. And most of his resources are very focused on Dungeons and Dragons in this case. And so I would throw out there that maybe just from the top, just hit on the Dungeons and Dragons crowd. If you get them, you will be able to grow into all of the other different ways that you could grow. Magic the Gathering and Pokemon and whatever else there is to grow into. So I would start there with getting a little bit more specific. I like your point, going to the people that you know first. I always go back to these kinds of stories. And so we'll sound like a broken record at times. But Maria Popova of Brain Pickings, she started writing Brain Pickings as an email letter, just like in Gmail or whatever her her email account was, to five friends or something like that. That was it. That was the whole thing. It was like, here are my notes about what I'm learning as I read and what I'm thinking as I read, let me know if you like it. And that became the email list that is now this site that is like a catalog of wisdom. And so as annoying as it is, kind of one of my answers is, and and it doesn't have to be either or, but one of my answers is write to the five people that really care, that are like in your Dungeons and Dragons crew for the next year every week or on whatever cadence you're trying to do it. And if you fascinate them with what you're doing, what you're writing, I think that's going to make it that much easier for other people to want to get in on it. It's not the only answer because it's not an, if you build it, they will come kind of thing. And if you don't build it, there is nothing for people to join. So that is one point that I want to make, but let's say we're getting beyond the text your hundred closest friends kind of thing. Yeah. What I would say is, is look for where this community already hangs out. And then think, how can I provide value to that community? So for example, there's like the entrepreneurship community on Reddit, the R entrepreneur. And tons of people that I want to reach are already there. One thing that I've done is taken my blog posts and not shared them there, like as like self-promotional, but taken some content that I think they are really going to enjoy and then written the whole thing the whole text there as a part of that community. And it's a community that I've been a part of. I know, you know, I know what kinds of content they're into and all that. And so when I do that, right, it's not self-promotional in any way. It's like, you know, the lessons I learned doing this, you know, stories, buying a domain name, whatever these things are. And they love it because it's right there in that community. And rather than saying like, go check out my blog, go sign my newsletter. And so what I would do is, is that kind of thing. I would find those communities and think, okay, what resources do they want? What stories, educational content, any of that? And let me just share it and give it directly to that community without anything in return for me. And then people will tend to say like, oh, Ryan, this is really good. Or they'll be like, who's this Ryan dude? You know, like, let me, let me dig in more. And then you can find that. Usually, you know, sometimes someone in the comments would be like, hey, do you have more stuff like this? And you're like, yeah, I do. Like, if you want, I also write this newsletter or you know, if you're interested in that, I have this other thing here, but it's basically lead with all of that value. And then when people want to dig in and learn a little bit more or get more for you, from you, then you can share your newsletter and stuff like that. It's a bit of a longer play, but it works really well. Right. Facebook is not my favorite platform right now. However, 
it is still a powerful advertising platform for building audiences. One thing you can consider, I don't know if you have the income or the ability to kind of foot some expenses for your business, but one experiment you could run is maybe set aside $100, $50, $250, whatever fits in your budget. Do an ad to Dungeons and Dragons fans, people who have liked Dungeons and Dragons on Facebook, and then point that ad to your landing page. And so what I would do is maybe like run it for 50 bucks and see what your conversion rate is and then tweak your copy and then do it again and see if you can get into a decent place where you're spending, I don't know, if you don't have anything for sale, you want to spend as little as possible. I might be willing to spend a dollar per subscriber or something like that early on if it were my own thing. And then I would be aiming to grow as fast as possible and then get a product out as fast as possible as well. Because the ideal loop that you can get into with Facebook advertising or search ads or whatever is make the ad, send them to your landing page, get the subscriber. On the thank you page, you do an upsell to a low price product. And ideally, if you get a decent conversion rate where you're spending about a dollar per subscriber, anywhere between one and five dollars per subscriber, then you can sell something like a five dollar easy upsell right there after subscription or a $10 easy upsell. And if enough people buy that on a decent conversion rate, that ends up paying for your ongoing ad spend. And you get this really nice audience funnel that can work for you there. And I could totally imagine if you give away this free DND resource guide, that there's some paid version that you could sell as well, that the fans would also want to buy from you. That's good. So that's another experiment I might run. All right. Next question comes from Teddy. He says, Nathan, why'd you decide on Tuesdays for your relaunch newsletter? That was well, you know, when I was thinking about getting back into newsletters, I was thinking that like <laughs> I was gonna say it came from extensive research. We did focus groups with readers all around the country. It was quite a tour to to go around and visit them. And then from that research, you know, we eliminated it down to certain days of the week and like Saturdays were obviously out. Everybody knows why. And then, you know, it's just going from there. And like Tuesdays were the only clear option. All the data showed it. And what I actually mean is Tuesday seemed like a nice day of the week. And it was after Mondays when we record the podcast. So I could include a link to the previous day's episode. You know, I didn't have that much going on on Tuesdays. So that's really why there wasn't anything to it. I don't know. It felt like I wanted to be during the week because that's when there was the attention. On the weekends, I want my attention to be elsewhere, you know on the farm, on the family, all of that. And I kind of want other people's attention to be elsewhere. So if I'm here talking about business, I want to do it during the week. And then I just like the idea of doing it, you know, relatively early in the week, but maybe not being too rushed of having to get it out on Monday when I'm like starting the week, if I ever got behind. So that was kind of the thought. Couple thoughts here. Tuesdays and Thursdays have always been good launch days. Tuesdays, people have kind of caught up on Monday and they have a little bit more capacity to pay attention to things. You're not lost in like the three-day log of email that has built up over the weekend while they've been out. Thursdays, it's not quite Friday, so people aren't scrambling yet. So if you catch them early in the day Thursday, they're in productivity mode. They're focused on churning through things. Reading your email might be a good thing for them to do. I've also seen a lot of newsletters that are less work-focused work really well on Sunday mornings as almost like your Sunday newspaper equivalent for the modern age. And so if you were thinking about creating a newsletter, I'd say try Tuesday, Thursday, and or Sunday as kind of days to try publishing and seeing what your open rates look like. Yep, I like it. All right, what's next? Sean has got a two-parter. I love it, two parts. That's like a very Barrett Brooks thing to do. Let me expand on that a little bit. Okay, first part, I digress. 
Is it bad to always show my newsletter signup form to a previous subscriber who is visiting my website again? And the second part is, or should I be showing something else to them in its place, perhaps a different call to action if they've already signed up for my newsletter? It's a great question, Sean. Do you want to hear my thoughts? Is that what yeah, that that's your was? Cue. I was like, that's your cue. <laughs> That's a great question, Sean. Nathan, let me send it over to you. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So there's two things here, right? There's the easy, just get it done, get it out the door and get it launched. And then there's like our ideal scenario. So definitely in our ideal scenario, we customize our websites to what we know about the visitor, right? Is it their first time on the site? Are they returning? Have they read 10 articles? You know, all of those things. That's not super easy to do out of the gate with, you know, off the shelf software. There's a tool called Write Message that makes that really easy. And so if you're looking to go that direction and you want to customize a lot of things and, and do a lot of personalization, then totally use Write Message. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in them. So I'm a fan, you know, and I will eventually someday make a little bit of money the more people that use them. There's a version of that that you can do with ConvertKit out of the box where you can set different content for after someone subscribes. And with our WordPress plugin, you can also tweak content and change the content on the site. Now, there's some downsides of that, um, just as far as it's hard to have complete confidence. And for example, if I subscribe on the web and then later I just go visit it on my phone, then we're not you know, on the level where we're tying those together, but we can personalize that experience. But I would say if you have fewer than 500 subscribers on your email list, I just wouldn't worry about that. There's a lot more things that you should really be focused on. You know, grow the list. But for those sites that have a ton of traffic, it's totally worth it to say, hey, you've already subscribed, so check out the book. You know, buy, buy this next thing. Yeah, that's what we did at my last business, Fizzle. And uh, it was very effective for us. We just replaced the newsletter call to action with a sign up for a free trial call to action. Yep. And um, it was good for us. It, it creates more conversions for the people who are already on the list. Um, so definitely something to think about. I like your point. Make sure your audience is big enough to be worrying about that kind of thing. Otherwise, you're you know spending time on little tweaks that don't get enough results. And that's the trick of being a creator, right? Is figuring out where can you apply the least effort to get the biggest results so that you can get back to doing the creative work. That's something that I've gotten a little soapbox in the past. So I'll just do a, is there a lightweight soapbox? I don't know. Yes, sure. I've seen people get so into email marketing and automation, there's so much that you can do with it, right? And we're big fans of that, that they kind of miss the the broader point. So I've seen two extremes. One example is they're actually a customer of ours, grew their email list to, I think, 70 or 80,000 subscribers doing almost nothing on the automation side. They were all about putting out incredible content. It got linked to a lot of places and it's just, you sign for their email list and like, they might email you once, twice a month. But like there's so much that they could do with automation, you know, and you're like, oh man, like you could do incredible things. You could drive much more revenue and all of that. So we see that issue. But then another one that we actually see more is someone who has a very small audience, say hundred subscribers or 250 subscribers who falls in love with marketing automation and just automates everything. Like if you come in here, you're splitting down this and this person's getting just the perfect message for them because they're interested in that. And then we upsell and everything. And you realize that there's branches branch to their funnel that like six people will go down. And so they've actually gone too far the other direction. So you have to like live in this sweet spot of I'm getting more subscribers and that's going well. And then I'm going and I'm improving my automation a little bit. I'm keeping these things in balance rather than going too far one way or the other. So for most people, changing the calls to action on their site 
based on you know personalization for the user with a small audience is basically going too far on the automation side when you should be focusing on the awareness side. Yep. Love it. Let's see. Noah asks, do y'all have this thing where you get hundreds of calls regularly from just random numbers that are clearly spam? Like all my devices ring when anyways, this has been brought to you by Barrett Brooks's devices all ringing at the same time from random numbers because annoying companies sell my cell phone number. Anyways, what Noah was asking was some people think the internet has become less free and open as time has gone on. Do you feel nostalgia for the beginning of the net or is that misplaced? It's a good question. It's like a, a philosophical question, which are ones that I tend to love. Okay. I'm going to kind of answer it differently than specifically what you asked. My belief about what breaks capitalism is when any organization involved in the economy gets too big. So I think when you get oversized businesses, when you get oversized nonprofits, or when you get oversized government agencies, they lose their incentive to serve their core purpose. The further away people in the organization get from the impact of the actual work, like what is it that you're trying to change? I think the more perverted the incentives are in the organization, and as a result of that, the less efficient the organizations get. I think that's why you see a lot of things where you've got inefficient allocation of capital or things cost exorbitant amounts, or we don't have access to what we need or what we would like on the internet. Another provision, perversion like that that's been proposed is the whole net neutrality debate and throttling certain types of internet traffic. Anyways, so that's my philosophy is that I think the closer we can get to relatively small companies serving specific communities and not becoming these like monopolistic powers, I think the better economies run and the more, the purer form of capitalism that does good that we can experience. That's the first thing. The second thing is I think businesses need to look more broadly than just shareholders. In my opinion, I think the B corporation model has it spot on where they operate based on stakeholder theory rather than shareholder theory. Stakeholders theory encourages business leaders to think in terms of customers, employees, community, and the environment. I think that is much more like what creates good outcomes for everyone. So if we take those two philosophies and we look at the internet, I think that the internet is being drastically affected by these conglomerates that have control over entirely vertically integrated ecosystems that have nearly monopolistic control or duopolistic control on different areas of the web. Am I nostalgic for what it used to be? I don't know. I mean, I think it's still relatively good. It moves us in the right direction. Like we've made a ton of progress societally as a result of the internet. Do I want it to keep going the direction it's gone? No, I don't want bigger and bigger companies having more and more control over what we can access on the web. And that's where I think with a company like ours, staying independent is really important to us. Serving a very specific group of people is really important to us. I'd really love to see more companies like ours and more creators like you leveraging the internet to create independent audiences that can access what they want on their time and under their decision-making without being controlled by these big monopolies and duopolies. Yeah, I think that's really good. And that's why I think these you know independent creators having access to their own, own audiences not being you know tied to the whims of Facebook or Snapchat or whoever else you know and the changing algorithms is so good because it's like look you can just do your own thing you know one thing that I realized people often say like 
you know, if we talk about nostalgia and all that, everything's so crowded now. But the other thing that's different now is that everyone earns so much more money now, like as creators, or I should say the ceiling is so much higher. And that's been something that's been remarkable to see of it's, yes, it's more crowded, but the audience sizes are way bigger. The revenue earned from it is way bigger. The software is remarkably better than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, you know, all across the board. I just think back to like when you and I first started hanging out, you know, Leo Bauta and Scott Dinsmore and all of our friends from back then. And, you know, all these things, those are the people that we really looked up to. Mm-hmm. And their sites were like 8,000 email subscribers, 12,000 email right. subscribers. And they were the most successful, like in our space. I don't know. Leo was probably bigger at like 20,000 email subscribers. And he was like yeah. Time Magazine, top 25 websites you should pay attention to. And it's just wild to think about the most successful people now are just an order of magnitude or several orders of magnitude larger than that. And so the ceiling and the opportunity has gone up so much. And so like, yeah, it's more crowded and there's some nostalgia for like, you know, when it felt like there weren't that many people around though, I was kind of late to that game anyway, but really it's just like, there's so much more opportunity now. Yeah. I'm with you. And I think we're going to try and continue to build the ecosystems that help make that possible. Keep, keep independent creators viable um, instead of pinching, pinching y'all to take all your money, which too many companies do. Okay. Uh, Teddy asked a very altruistic question, which I appreciate. He said, in the perfect world, what do you guys want your first followers, in all caps, your regular live crew to be doing to share this show with our friends? Thank you for that, Teddy. Number one, it's fun. Like Sean, Teddy, Noah, Keshna, who I don't think is here today, but like we know y'all. That's what's uh, delightful about the way you show up. So the first thing is just keep showing up. If you like the show and you enjoy being here with us, the number one thing that we want you to do is keep showing up because we make this for you. And um, that's why we keep showing up. The second thing I'd love for you to do, maybe I'll, I'll do second and third, and then I'll move on to Nathan. The second thing is I would love you to write an email to one person. Who's the one person you know who you think would also enjoy this show? Send them an email, tell them why you like the show and send them a link to the show in probably iTunes would probably be best. Here's the link in iTunes. I think you would particularly like this episode. Here's why I love it. That would be incredible. One at a time is all we really can do and all you we can really expect you to do. And then the third thing would be leave us a review in iTunes. Whatever you think of the show, the more detailed, the better. I think people enjoy thoughtful reviews that are specific about what you like. And that, you know, gives us the platform advantage of maybe we eventually move up the charts and people will see that it's good and all that blah, blah, blah stuff. Yeah. Those would be my three things. Yeah, I think that's right. And then like our commitment is to just do it, keep doing it consistently and build it over time, you know, show up every day. And uh, we're going to keep making that happen. Teddy threw also threw in the question of what do you think the impact would be for the show if I moved my newsletter to, you know, right, basically right before the show. And you had those tied together. And I thought about that. Um, But I actually think that we're not trying to get as many people live on the show who like happen to see the notification. They're like, oh, let me check out this new thing. For the live crew, we're we're trying to get the crew. And we just want to keep growing that. So, you know, it's 20 or 25 people now, you know, like grow it up to 30 and and beyond. And so we'll definitely work on more ways to do that of like calendar notifications or having an email list. This is probably what I'll do next is have an email list that, uh, you know, everyone can click on my newsletter and then they'll get notifications right before the show goes live. 
And then the goal for the broader group would be to get them to, you know, subscribe on iTunes and, and check that out. Cause we kind of have the two sides of we love the live thing. And we also want the show, the overall subscription numbers to increase. So yeah, I would get more people live, but I think I kind of like the newsletter standing alone and like linking to all the content as it comes out. Yeah. I'd really love to get to the point where in that, that 50 to a hundred people watching live and then uh, maybe 20, 25 participating in chat. I think that would feel really lively and enjoyable. And then everyone else, I mean, obviously everyone's welcome. We'd love to have everyone, but I, I think practically everyone else is going to listen on audio, which is perfectly fine. We just, we enjoy doing the live thing because I think it, it makes for a more fun and engaging and real show. So, okay. Creator of the day. We actually don't, we don't have creators of the day, do we? <laughs> I don't have a creator. Who do you have? What I do have is today in recognition of Juneteenth and just the current environment, we, we want to continue to celebrate black creators. We want to continue to celebrate all creators, but right now we think it's especially important to celebrate black creators and to remind this entire community that black creators are not rare. You don't even have to look that hard to find incredibly talented, inspiring, worthy black creators of your attention, black creators worthy of your attention. That was like weirdly worded. And we put together a list of 31 that we think you might enjoy following. If you're like me or like mine was previously, your timeline might be quite homogenous. I think for most people, our timelines on social media come from people who look a lot like us. It's a very natural human tendency that doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you anything. It just means that you have to be a little bit more conscious about diversifying the voices that you hear from on a regular basis. So we put together this list of 31 black creators for you to follow and support. I'd love you to check it out. It's at convertkit.com slash celebrate dash black dash creators. It will be in the show notes and we'll drop it in the chat. But uh, we put together, our team actually did a fantastic job curating this specifically Alexis Tyke Miller, who y'all heard from on Monday, and Angel Marie uh, put together this list and curated it. Danny edited and published it. And they've got links to websites, Instagram, Twitter, for you to be able to easily follow uh, these fantastic creators. So check that out. I'm giving you 31 creators of the day today. I think that's pretty good. I think that's better than two. Love it. Okay, hold on. Before we go, let's weigh in on this stupid controversy between Basecamp and uh, Apple or Basecamp and the entire internet. What are our thoughts on Hey, basically? Because this will be just a fun one to end on and then we'll ride off into the uh, into the midday sun peak or something. Anyways, Christian asks, what's your thought on the new Hey service by Basecamp? Any mid to long-term implications for CK and email marketing in general? Hey, by Basecamp. I don't have it yet. I didn't sign up for the early wait list. I, like, I there's a bajillion email services. I will try it eventually. I'm excited to check it a out. A bunch of our team is on it. Yeah. And was on it day one. And so we read their summaries. Generally speaking, like we're fans of the Basecamp duo. They oh. have inspired a lot of the ways that we operate, a lot of philosophy that we embrace. They also do things differently than we would do them in a lot of different ways. And so you know, I think it's kind of like having a mentor where you look up to a mentor, you learn from a mentor, you grow under their tutelage, and then eventually you realize, oh, I think I've learned everything I can learn from that mentor. And now I can kind of like fly and be free. 
That's how I feel about the Basecamp duo. I still pay attention to what they do. I respect them as business people. I like some of the ways they do business and some of the things they do drive me nuts. The hey Apple controversy, I don't even know if I want to get into it because like, I don't think I care that much and it'll work itself out. Hey, as an email service is really interesting to me. They have taken a very consumer first approach. This email service is built to protect the receiver of email. I think generally speaking, that is a good trend. It is good for people to be educated. It is good for people to have choice about what emails they receive, how they receive them, and what content is in them. Hey is going to give people that control. One of the things that they're doing is they're calling out spy pixels or whatever they're calling them, which every major email service provider like ConvertKit includes a tracking pixel, which is a little snippet of code in the body of every email that allows us to register whether someone has opened that email. This has been used nefariously in some cases where it looks like a personal email, for example, from a salesperson, but it's also got one of those pixels and now they're tracking whether you've opened it and then taking actions off of that. I suppose there may be people who have used that kind of feature on ConvertKit and other platforms nefariously. And so they're they're doing like a big blob of information right at the top, like this evil email sending company has included a spy pixel from the CIA and they're going to take all of your data and steal your identity and ruin your life unless you click this button right here and then we'll never allow them to do that again and we will protect you. It's not that dramatic, but it's almost that dramatic. It's kind of close. And so like... <laughs> In typical melodramatic DHH fashion, it's a little over the top. I have chatted on the phone with DHH over the past, whatever, three or four months as they were getting ready to launch. We have a plan in place. We have a new feature that's coming out. It's currently in beta that will allow you to disable tracking on your subscribers. We're going to continue to build on that feature set. That's privacy. We're, we're kind of labeling the set of features privacy first email. If that's something that you care a lot about, Great. If your subscribers care a lot about it, great. We're going to enable you to stop tracking data. I think that's going to change a lot of things in the industry. We rely on that data to prevent spammers and fishers and all of these other people from sending bad emails. So we're going to have to adapt our methods much more broadly to be able to catch those people. So we're working on that behind the scenes. Um, generally speaking, though, I think if it shifts the industry, number one, we're going to be on the front edge of that because we believe in it. And number two, only if it shifts the industry can we really play with it because we're small, like compared to whoever, Constant Contact and MailChimp and Salesforce and all these other companies, we're a nobody right now. We're going to continue to grow, but we're a relative nobody. So we can do whatever we want, but the industry needs to come along and really embrace privacy as something that matters for us to really be able to ride the wave at the end of the day. Yeah. So anyways, general thoughts. The one thing that I would point out is as you're watching all of these debates, whether it's about tracking in emails or Apple charging 30% or whether they shouldn't be allowed to charge it or the app store rules or any of that, watch for straw man arguments. So look for when someone is actually arguing against the, you know, there's two sides to every argument. Is one camp arguing against the best form of the other argument or are they taking it changing it in some way, making it seem outrageous, ridiculous or whatever in some way, and then arguing against this new thing that wasn't what 
anybody is talking about. And that's like, you see that a lot in politics. That's happened, you know, happens all the time. We're right. If you and I are head to head in a debate, I'm going to try to make you look ridiculous and say, you know, Barrett thinks this, and then I'm going to tear it apart. And people like my fans are going to be like, wow, Nathan did such a good takedown on Barrett. And all of Barrett's fans are going to be like, he didn't even address a single point in the argument. Like what is even going on? And I think that is happening all across the internet right now. And I think if you look closely at this, the debate over Hay, over the App Store, you know, all of that stuff, it's happening especially so. And so if you could learn one thing from this, I would say watch for the straw man arguments. Do not make them yourself. Don't fall into that trap. We have an, an ability to make the internet a better place for free speech, for debate, for everything like that. So notice when people are doing it, call it out. And don't fall into that same trap yourself. Yeah. The last thing I would say is always ask yourself, who benefits from this? I'm not saying the Basecamp guys meant for this to happen because there's a lot of drawbacks to it. And I think it would be pretty extreme to say that they meant for this to happen. And they are taking maximum advantage of this opportunity to market their new product. And I think it is very effective. At the end of the day, I think they will end up with more users than they otherwise would have had early on in the launch of Hey, because they have made such a big deal of this Apple scenario. Always ask yourself who benefits from this. And I think that will reveal some of the thinking and the actions that are going into a controversy that's going on. Okay, that's it for today. Good to have you all. We'll be back on Monday. If you have topic ideas that you want us to discuss, shoot us a, uh, shoot us a, neat, shoot us a note just on uh, on Twitter or you know, Nathan at ConvertKit or Barrett at ConvertKit. I'm going to keep talking so we can keep getting this awkward wave from Barrett. No, I'm not. I'm not. I've had enough of this one. <laughs> all right. See you all on Monday. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.